Hey, this is Dave Chris. I'm the pastor of We're One based out of Gateway Assembly, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that this equips you and encourages you in your faith to see Jesus more clearly in your life. Let's hit it. It's been an awesome series. I just think it's just spoken to our hearts so profoundly, and I think I got one more here in the chamber, and I'm ready to pull the trigger tonight if you are. Um, part seven. Seven, the number of completion. So if I do one more, it messes all up. We're going to stop right here on seven. And uh, I want to read you, when we were about a year ago brainstorming this series, um, the team had pitched this series, and we were kind of tossing up when we were going to do it. We were actually supposed to do it, I think, like earlier in the year. We were flopping all the series around because of quarantine and COVID and all this stuff. And I think for such a time as this, God knew when we needed this. But... uh, I had written something in a note, and it was sort of my look into this series. It's the first thought I had. It's the first thing that came out of me. I had never written any notes yet for any sermons. It was just sort of the premise of the series. I want to read it to you because it's kind of what sparked it all for me. And it's interesting that this is now the last message because you will find the way I start is the way I will end this message in the whole series. You're going to find it go full circle. I just wrote, in the age of social media, everyone is an influencer. Do you realize it's nothing special to be a social media influencer anymore? It's nothing special to have a lot of followers or get a lot of likes. There's millions of people doing it. It's not unique or special anymore. Do you know what is special? Having influence at your lunch table. Having influence in your workplace. Having influence in your church. Having influence in your family. I'm pausing because I want to cry on this last part. I got caught in the trap of wanting influence with the crowd. But honestly, what I care about most is just having influence with my kid. The title of my message tonight, you're going to hear this phrase over and over again, influence before influence. We all have this, this look, this measure of what we perceive influence to be and we look so far we miss what God is doing right in front of us and I think if I would just say anything tonight it's that we would sort of just bring things into perspective a little bit pull back see the forest for the trees a little bit and see what's right in front of us of what God's wanting to use us for and not look so far influence before influence Jesus We already know you're here. Plenty of people gathered. I know it's two or more. Lord, we can feel your presence. We recognize your touch. And now our favorite part, here we go. We are going to open up your word, and we're going to hear from your heart. Many times we're trying to figure out, God, will you speak to me? God, I'm not hearing you. Well, here, every person in the room, they cannot walk away and wonder if God has spoken to them because as soon as we open up this word, it's the mouth of God speaking to every single heart here tonight. Your word is truth. Your word is what sets us free. Your word is us recognizing that you've never left us and your presence is never far, but you are close because as long as we open up this word, you're always speaking. So speak to us tonight, Holy Spirit. Show us truly what it's like, what it means to be an influencer for the cause of Christ. We give you all the glory, honor, praise. In Jesus' name, Rabbi says, 
Amen. Come on, will you give him just one more shot of praise before you see this? Amen. 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 Hey, look to somebody before you're seated and tell them I'm ready. Buckle up. Influencer part seven. Let's go. Grab your seat. Let's get it. I would just say tonight, you know, you're taking notes right at the top. Influence or what is it? Influence before influence. Forgot the title already. Influence before influence. I believe that tonight God wants to teach us that where we are and what we have is enough. I just need you to know this. Where you are and what you have, it's on purpose. Some of you might be like, my parents are divorced or this is what's happened in my family situation or this is what's going on with my parents at work or this is what happened with me physically. I just need you to understand tonight that God wants to teach you that you are where you are and you have what you have on purpose. It's not an accident. He has positioned you there on purpose and he knows right where you are and right where you have what you have and he wants to use that. And I just think that the reason that we lose sight a lot of times and we look so far beyond where we are and what we have and what God's doing with us is because of this thing called social media. It's made this giant world so small. The world is so small. And then what it's done is it's allowed us to open up our eyes and to see far beyond where we currently are in our backyard. You know, growing up back in the day, like, people didn't have any of that. Think of that. They just knew a couple of their buddies, their chums, their girls in town. Hang out with just some of their friends. They knew people in their neighborhood. They knew their family. Maybe another family, like family friend down the street. They didn't know what somebody was doing in Asia. They didn't know what song was in the top whatever, according to what Apple Music or Spotify showed this week, this day. It's changing every day. There weren't TikTok trends, and TikTok is just crazy to me because you can't get on a trend. It doesn't exist because the moment you get on it, there's a new one, so you're never on it. They didn't have this stuff. You know, so I talked to my grandparents. I'm going to talk about them a little bit later, but... They were in ministry for over 50 years, and they just talked about the culture that we're having to minister today. today. And this was the thing. They didn't go, oh, it's super sinful. Oh, all their issues. It wasn't any of that. They said, they said, the pace is so fast. We don't know if we could keep up with it. We are constantly evolving and changing and shifting, and whatever the trend is going to be different in our next breath. And the issue here, the reason we lose sight of where we are and what we have is because the world is open to our eyes and we can see it all. We see the exotic lives that people give the illusion that they're living all the time. It's not real. It's an illusion. But man, doesn't it feel real? It feels so real. And we see those things and they pull on us in all these different ways and we get caught in this lie, I called it, few messages ago, if you go watch it on our YouTube channel, the deception of perception, we get caught in this trap and we see, oh, they have this many people following what they do. Maybe I should do what they do and people would follow me. Have you ever had that thought before? Or have you ever thought like, I don't understand what's so special about them. Why are so many people following this? I see certain videos that people post. I have no idea how they go viral. It doesn't make any sense to me. I saw this one of like this old dude on a skateboard drinking like 
orange juice or something. I don't know. What, what was it? He's drinking cranberry juice, I think it was. Who even drinks cranberry juice? One hand in the back. Two hands, sorry, three. It's like we're trying to keep up with things that are impossible to keep up with, and we are so confused at this point. And this is what we just need to recognize for a moment, because you can't actually change until you recognize where you're at. It's very interesting in the social media culture today, no matter how hard we try, in some sense, I'm speaking to every single person in the room, okay? I don't care how old you are, how young you are, in some sense, we measure our influence by how many followers we have. Now, if that's not Instagram for you, it's something else. It's if people are interested enough in what you're doing and who you are. You measure it somehow. And if you don't have a lot of people interested, that must mean that you're not that great of an influencer. And we all struggle with this issue. I've done it. You've done it. You know, in part one of this series, PT was talking about the top social media influencers in the room. Can you all just shout some of them out that you know of top Charlie D'Amelio, I got that one written down. Thanks for saying it. I couldn't remember how to say it. I was like, Pastor Steve, how do you pronounce it? What, Justin Bieber? Addison Ray. never heard of it. What is it? Sway Boys, sounds dumb, never heard of it. PewDiePie, or as like our admin writes down for our notes, PewDiePie or whoever wrote it down, uh, Pastor Tyre. What is it? Butterfly, you say? Mark, Mark Applier. Get a new name. What the heck is wrong with these people? Marker Plier? Mark Applier. That's even worse than I had in my mind. Okay. I feel like I could stop preaching. We're all right now are on the same page. How stupid we sound with it coming out of our mouth right now. Now let me ask another question. Somebody name me all 12 of Jesus' disciples. I heard Peter, James, Judge, Isn't it interesting, though, like, okay, some of y'all are, like, stumbling through. You're trying to get it. But people throwing out Markiplier or whatever the heck their name is. Hey, I know Mark. He wrote the second book in the New Testament. That's who I know. Markiplier. No, I'm, okay. Y'all busting out Markiplier, and you forgot Mark. He's one of the, he's in there. It's kind of interesting, though, how much stock we put into influencers. We're actually almost putting so much stock into them, we don't put any stock into ourselves as an influencer. Sports, social media, hunting, that's a huge industry. Tons of hunting influencers. You know, like cars and drivers and all that different kind of stuff that I'm not into, but I think a lot of people are, and it's cool. Actors, whatever it is. We put a lot of stock into people that have influence. This is actually even very present in like the Christian circuit when you look on social media and all these different types of things. I looked this up. This is redonkulous to me. This is completely ridiculous. But I found this, the top 100 Christian influencers. That just in a sentence sounds so dumb to me that believers in Jesus Christ who are supposed to be aiming to make him number one are getting on a list where there can be a top influencer. And listen, it ain't Jesus. Although someone does have an account, I think it's like Jesus underscore the underscore Lord. Got like millions of followers or something like that. That was genius, whoever created that. And Jesus Christ is the name. Like that was like way ahead of your time, way to be. They created 2,000 years ago. They were just waiting for Instagram to be created. 
That, do, you know, do you know in the top 100 influencers? Just give me a few, in the top 10 even. Yep. What? I never, I don't know that name in there. Gregor Show, yeah, that's in the top. Chad Beach uh, in the top, no. So what, I, people are naming pastors right now. Isn't this, isn't this a crazy thought? Pastors are some of the top influencers in the world. Now, I'm gonna touch on this. I'm not saying that's wrong that we have influence. It's a great thing. I think the way we celebrate people is what's wrong, okay? It's not wrong if I were to have thousands of followers, let's say. I think I have like 1.5 thousand. <laughs> it's not like I was gonna say million. That would have been dumb. So 1.5, 1.54 actually, thousand followers. Is there anything wrong that that many people are following the things that I post? No. What I find hilarious is that the things that I'm actually most passionate about, nobody likes when I put it up. So I find myself having to post what I think people are going to like because I, I want to actually get more likes because I hate when something only gets like 50 likes. I post this and it gets like 300 likes. I'm just like, that's a picture I didn't, I went on Zealand and threw it up really quick. I didn't even try on that and you like that like 300 times and I try really hard and you give me 40 likes over here. Have you never thought what I just said before? Tell me you haven't. I dare you. I know you have. And the thing is, you look at these top influencers, they're the ones with the top follows and the top likes. Brian Houston, pastor of Hillsong Church. Carrie Job, the Lord bless you. That's her husband, actually, but she's on the song. Chris Tomlin, man, he's been around since dinosaurs. He's still writing Christian songs. <laughs> Tim Tebow, top follower, uh, top uh, social media influencer with follows. Lecrae, Stephen Furtick. Now, let me just preface this because I don't want this to, like, be a clip that's taken up my message and next thing you know, you have people on YouTube, like, writing saying I, like, serve the devil or something. Like, that's crazy, the stuff. People, like, people take chunks out of people's sermons and go, like, way off course. Here's my point, though. Um, what I'm about to say, I'm not against any of these people, not by any means. I think these are men and women of God. I think some of their ministries are amazing, okay? We just sang one of their songs from the church tonight, Okay? So my point is not like I'm against anyone. My point is that the way we celebrate people, I have some issues with that. Social media is a powerful tool. It's a powerful tool to reach people for Jesus. But I want you to, as I look into these people, I'm going to even use them, Christian influencers here. Christians, we're all Christians, right? If you claim Jesus Christ, that, that means that you are a follower, a Christian. That's just all they are. But two things I need you to understand. I'm going to look at Galatians 2.6. I'm going to pull them out here. Galatians 2.6. And from those, the Apostle Paul said, who seemed to be influential. What they were makes no difference to me, he's saying. God, show, God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. Two points with that scripture I want you to get as we're looking at influencers in general, but especially we compare ourselves to Christian influencers when we're all supposed to just be celebrating Jesus, not each other. Two things I want you to get from this scripture. Just keep it on the screen if you haven't because I want them to, as I'm, as I'm pulling this out, I want them to see the scripture and, and, and take this in. The people I just listed, I am for them. I pray for them. Their ministries are amazing, but they are not more important than any person in this room. God put them on planet Earth. God put you on planet Earth. They were created. You were created. I was created in the image of God. We've all been given influence. We've all been given purpose. But a lot of times, what we do is we elevate these people. In the midst of elevating them, we actually de-elevate ourselves. 
And we actually say, I don't have that much influence and I can't do that many things, and, right? because they can. God looks at us equally, therefore he each wants us to use our influence equally. You can see that in that scripture, God shows no partiality. Look at the second thing you can pull out of this scripture. Just because someone appears, now again, I'm not speaking about these specific people, I just use these names as an example on a top Christian influencer list. Just because someone appears to be influential, that doesn't mean they're actually adding anything to the kingdom of God. Just because somebody has a big church, just because somebody's worship songs are heard, you know how many different churches I've heard that we've sung their songs and I hear about them getting plastered behind the scenes? So just because on the outside, just because the appearance of things looks like they have this great influence, it doesn't actually mean they are touching the heart of God or the kingdom of God by any means. So do not classify people or judge people or categorize people based upon what you think influence means. Dig into the scripture and take in what God says it means. Because see, God says, go to the last part of that verse. God says, those I say who seemed influential, the apostle Paul's writing this for God. He's saying, listen, they added nothing to me. And a lot of times we're letting people attach, attach to our life and add things when they aren't actually the influential people that God wants adding things to your life. So just because you perceive, just because it appears that they have great influence, that doesn't actually mean that God wants them adding things to your life or in the end that they're adding anything to the kingdom. The entire list of the top 100 influencers, this is what just drives me nuts and it's hilarious to me. They are placed on a list of the top 100 Christian influencers based in this category, based upon Instagram and how many followers they have. Now follow me here, the word followers. Can I tell you that many followers on social does not mean much influence in life? And a lot of times we go, oh my gosh, they got so many followers, they must be, have a lot of influence. Our scale for measuring is way off, y'all. So I want you to look at this. Blew my mind. I hope it just crushes you. I really do. This message just crushed my, my philosophies, my ideologies, everything I thought I knew. I love when I go to write a message. I'm just like, I can't preach this. I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. I love those messages. I want you to look at the influence of a man, amazing man in the Bible, named Jesus. While he walked the earth, Jesus drew huge crowds, thousands. One time, he, he's preaching in this one moment, it says 500 men are there, okay? That, they didn't even count the women and children at the time, but remember, he had, a, he did, had to perform this miracle, and he had to feed all these people over there. Another time, it was 4,000. Like, he drew huge crowds. But if you follow the scriptures, he didn't have very many followers. Think about this. The world is all about counting how many followers you have, yet the most influential person to ever walk planet Earth didn't have very many of them. We look at how many Instagram or whatever it is followers we have, they have, we categorize people, and we put them on this pedestal of how many followers they have when Jesus Christ himself didn't have that many. You look in the book of Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus is about to do this, speak this moment called the Beatitudes. Blessed are they, blessed are you. Before that, in verse one, the Bible says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, like just huge crowds showing up, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Now catch this. It says, his disciples, go look it up on Google. The definition of a disciple is a follower of Jesus. His followers came to him. 
They drew to him, and he began to teach them. The Bible is making a clear distinction here. It's making it very clear that a true follower was somebody who came close to Jesus. Now, he drew crowds, but it was only the followers that actually kept coming with him up the mountain and drew close to him. See, social media is confusing this thought because we follow hundreds and even thousands of people that we're not close to at all. They're in such far proximity to us. You don't know anything about them, and they know nothing about you. And yet we put so much stock in our followers and their followers, yet Jesus classifies here that the ones that came up the mountain close to him were the ones that were his followers. Proximity, a closeness. Jesus drew thousands of crowds in crowds, but his greatest influence was the investment that he put into 12 dudes that followed him close. So follow me here. Thousands of people are showing up, and he's preaching the gospel, but he's not investing the same way that he does with those that are close. And we use this word, how many followers do you have? Uh, on, on Instagram or what, what we follow? Those really aren't true followers. They need to come up with a new word for it. Like Facebook at least did that right. They changed it to likes on like our, our church pages and stuff. It's you like the page, you don't follow the page anymore. Because when you're gonna call somebody a follower, you're close. You're right in the midst of it. See, Jesus invested in the 12 dudes, and check it, from 12 dudes that he invested into, the entire world came to know who he was. He didn't invest in the thousands. He invested in the 12. And from 12, the whole world came to figure out who he was. Do you realize that we are sitting right here in the ripple effect of 12 dudes following Jesus close, and we are here having church as the church right now because he only invested in the 12 dudes that got it, they stuck with the stuff, and they became influencers that would change the world as we ever knew it. See, this is why, as we're even in the midst of this, Jesus said in John 12, verse Sorry, John 14, verse 12. He said, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And here's the best part. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Listen, he's saying, they ain't going to just do what I've done. They're going to do bigger things than I've ever done. How is this going to work? How is this possible? This is what I love. The church didn't grow until Jesus left. Now, this is how you know his investment was worth something, the influence was going to spread correctly, is because the church finally grew at the point that Jesus left. Thank you, my brother. This is like one of those, uh, this is like one of those, uh, I don't know, little safety box, safe things that we use for our events. Takes your money and you come to an event. So let me, let me show you this. He invested into those around him, and as he invested in those around them, the people he invested into became the people that would influence the world. Jesus didn't influence the world. Jesus influenced very closely 12, and they influenced the world. Now, guys, obviously the cross changed things and influenced the world. Obviously the empty tomb did, but Jesus didn't ever travel all over the world. The disciples did. They became called the apostles. They're the ones that actually spread the message. Jesus just kind of stuck in some close areas with those guys as they were following him. So this investment I call 
the interest of influence, okay? So this is how it works. Here is us many times, and here is our influence and how we look at it. Now, influence, you have to understand, it is compounded. So just like money, influence gains interest. When you invest it properly, your investment, just like you would in the bank, it's going to gain interest for you. Now, this message I called the influence before influence, right? So what I mean by that is that what appears to be insignificant to you at the time, actually with investment, it has the ability to be maximized and have huge impact. So it'd be like if I'm investing one person and say I'm going to invest into 10 people, what happens when I put it in the bank with that investment? That one dollar or that one bit of my influence or however you want to label it, as I put that one dollar in, it's compounded. That one dollar now gained interest and now it becomes, in this case, ten dollars for us math majors here, okay? One dollar times ten is what? Help me out. Ten. Ten, okay? So in terms of us investing, God's saying, I'll take what appears to be insignificant to you. I'll maximize it, okay? If you just give what you got, I'm going to use it, and I'm going to help it gain interest. When you, in, when you influence someone, when you influence someone's life, ultimately you're investing in them, okay? So if I were to take this, I'm investing now in the one. It turned into one and one and one and ten people, okay? That gave me the ten. Now, as those people take that 10 and they invest it, they now see those 10, let's say, just reach 10 more. It gains interest now. Yes, this is real. I didn't check. It's real, okay. That investment now reached 10 more. Here we go. 10 times 10 is, thank you. Your investment in these people, it's called the kingdom of God. You're investing in the kingdom of God. When you invest into one person for Jesus, that's going to give you a return that multiplies with interest on that investment, and it's giving spiritual dividends, it's called, in your bank account in heaven. Now, this ain't actual money. I'm not saying this is how the gospel works. I'm just using this to help you make sense of it. It's not like, well, hey, go read something for Jesus, and God's going to give you money. <laughs> okay, that's just not how it works. If it is, everybody be following Jesus, okay? <laughs> Jesus is actually saying, you're going to lose a lot if you follow me. So here what's happening is there is this investment being poured in here on earth, but there is interest being gained in heaven. So as I invest, say, into 10 people, when they invest into 10 people, that becomes compounded. As that interest grows, the kingdom of God grows. See, as a follower of Jesus, your goal isn't to gain more followers. You're following Jesus already. It's not to gain more followers for you. Your goal isn't to gain more um, influence. Your goal is to invest into others so that Jesus gains more followers and so that Jesus gains more influence. When you invest in others, though, what you're doing is, in your, I told you you're investing what the Bible calls the kingdom of God. Let me show you a, a scripture here to illustrate what I mean. John 3, 3. This always kind of became a confusing thing. The kingdom of God, like, is this like, what is this? Is it a building or whatever? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you. Now he's talking to a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. Pharisees were like against Jesus, but this dude comes up and he's like, hey, I think you might be who you say you are. He ends up following Jesus, crazy cool story. But very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So Jesus has to explain this thought to Nicodemus, and maybe even some people in the room, you don't understand this. You're like, why do I have to be born again? I've already been born. I'm here. Jesus isn't talking about a 
physical birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth. So at the point that you come to know Jesus, Josh just celebrated seven years of being born again as a follower of Jesus Christ. Last month, okay? Last month, we celebrate that. So see, he's got a new birthday he's keeping track of now. Why? Because he's been born again. The Bible says that the old is gone, the new has come. So what happens is Josh goes from his drug addicted, his blah, blah, blah state. If you, I don't want to bang his story to death, but if you've heard it, he goes from that life that he was first born into that he just wrecked royally. That actually dies. It's left crucified with Christ. Meaning when Jesus was put in the tomb, that's put in there as well. That can just stay there. So when now Josh comes back out, he's brand new birth, brand new person, brand new creation. So now, technically what, you're 26? He's technically seven years old now. He's just a baby. And I keep reminding him, hey, you're just a baby, son. You're drinking milk. I'm eating steak over here. I'm, I'm a big boy now, okay? So the Bible even talks about that, that as you go through your faith walk, you start off maybe drinking milk, and you grow in your knowledge of the Lord and how you walk with the Lord, and you get on steak. I don't think it says steak. I think it says solid food. We just always think about steak, okay? My point is there is this, this moment where Josh enters into the kingdom of God. It's not this actual place. It's a people, not a place. The kingdom of God is what's being built here in heaven and on earth. It's the people of God. So Jesus is saying, hey, you ain't going to catch this. You ain't going to see it unless you're a part of it. And maybe people go, man, I can't see it. I don't, I don't believe that. See, you won't actually be able to see it until you believe it. And people want to be able to see it before they'll believe it. But Jesus is saying, you got to believe it, and then you'll see it. He's saying, you won't have eyes to see what I'm talking about, this kingdom of God, and to the point that you're born again. So here's how it works. When I invest into others, their influence increases. When I invest into others, because they're the kingdom of God, my influence increases. So at the point that I invest, say it's now a hundredfold at this point, my investment now creates greater influence for them to reach more people, and now their influence spreads. One, two, three, four, five. They got me 10, good. How many of y'all wish you could walk out with this right here? That's what I'm saying. That's real. Here's how it works. As you influence others, it increases their influence. And it's less about increasing your influence, and it's more about increasing their influence. That's the kingdom of God. When you make an investment into the life of somebody, you influence them. It gains interest. You can see how quickly. Think about this. If I tell 10 people about Jesus and they come to know Jesus, and those 10 tell 10, there's 100, right? If those 100 tell 10, let's do the math. Where are we at? 1,000. You see here now quickly, do you realize that from 12 dudes, that's why the gospel could go across the entire earth because of this interest of influence? At the point that you begin to invest in the people is at this point that God goes, listen, I see how you're influencing people and growing their influence for me. Now, let me take care of you. I got plenty of influence to give you. You know what? I don't want other people's influence. I want God's influence. If I'm going to grow in any sort of influence, I want it to be from heaven. I want it to be from God, that he is the one that increases my influence. See, part of what it means to be an influencer for Jesus is to have a lasting legacy. Let's talk about this for a second. Now, these are things that we don't talk about a lot of times because when you're younger, it's kind of like, well, like, that's a long way away. I'm not going to die in a long time. See, legacy is really important because I had this thought the other day. It was kind of this crippling thought, if I'm being honest. I cried when I had this thought. I'll try not to do it in front of you. I had this thought, I'm not going to be here to see the entirety of Zeeland's life. 
I will not be around to see my son for his whole life. And I was like, wow, I never thought about that before. Like, my parents won't be around to see the entirety of my life. Now, again, only God knows the plan in my days. I could go right now, or I could be 90-some years old. I don't know. You know, I don't know what it is. Only God knows. But let's just say, as we look at the human body and how it works, right, my grandparents are, you know, in their, what, 90, and my grandma's like 90, I mean, 84, 86, I should say. My parents, 60, and my mom's 50. And so, technically, they're all closer, right, let's say, to death than I am. And I've never had this thought before that they're never going to get to see me live my entire life. I'll never get to see my son live his entire life. So all that he has to go off is my influence now and the legacy that I leave him. The only thing that he can follow is my legacy. The only thing that I can follow is my parents' legacy. The only thing that my parents will continue to follow is my grandparents' legacy. See, legacy is influence over time. It's just influence that is gaining interest over time. The legacy that you leave is the life that you currently live. If you live a life that is honestly going to drop a bad legacy, when you eventually are put in the tomb and people are going to fake saying a bunch of good things about you at your funeral, and then they're actually going to go home and be like, man, that guy was a total jerk. I'm glad he's dead. You know how many funerals I've been a part of and perform where that's the truth? Where people are mustering, trying to say good things about people. That's real. See, if you're not living the life now, why would you leave the legacy later? So legacy is this influence that we're continually giving now that's compounded to the point that we'll leave it later. Let's talk about my, my grandparents for a second. How many of y'all want to show of hands? You know my papa and grandma Chris, okay? So enough in the room. For those of you that don't know them, I'm going to paint a picture, and it's going to make them sound like the best people on planet Earth because they practically, basically are, okay? So my grandparents, uh, they're not famous, never walked on the Earth as millionaires, um, they don't have a big social media following. I don't even think they know what TikTok is. They probably never even heard of it. But can I tell you that through the life they've lived, they have led probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They've seen people's lives healed. They've seen marriages restored. Why? Because they just prayed some mystical prayer? No, because people watch their life and they see that they've been married for 66 years. And they said, if they can do it, I'm going to keep going. I know it's hard, but I know it's probably hard for them too. I'm going to keep going because if they can keep going, then I'm going to keep going. It's not some magic spell that makes it all work. You stick to the stuff. You keep being obedient. You keep following Jesus. And when it's hard, you call it hard. And when it's good, you call it good. But God's in all of it. You just call what it is. And see, because they've done that, they are going to leave a legacy that's worth more than gold, y'all. Can you imagine when they're going to get to heaven and then they're going to be getting their reward? The Bible talks about your reward. I told you it's gaining interest, and you, get, you finally get some of that finally when you get to heaven. The problem is we want to get it all now in heaven now. That ain't how it works. You're going to get the blessings later when you get in heaven. Can you imagine, though, as they get there, the hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people that they've led the Lord, the marriages that stuck together because of their faithfulness. Hey, that's a testimony to me because being married is hard at times. You don't always do it well. It's not always easy. Sometimes you get in fights. Sometimes you say dumb stuff. There's been those moments where me and Sid have been fighting, and the next thing we know, we look at each other and we're laughing. 
We, can't, we were like, what were we talking about? I don't know. It was that dumb. If you do it now with your brothers and sisters and your friends, you're going to do it later with your spouse. That's just how it works, okay? But when those moments happen, what do I do? I look to legacy. I go, they've been together 66 years. It's possible. I can do it. I will never give up on this. I've seen that they didn't give up on this. It's worth it. Marriage is worth it. The thing that I think is so cool about them is that they, against all odds, a lot to their story, leaving a lot of it out, hopefully you can meet them. You should go find them on Sunday and you should thank them for their legacy and you should ask them to tell you more of their story because it's crazy. But they raised three kids who then married men and women of God. They went into full-time ministry. One of that, those couples, my mom and dad, are the pastors at this church that have followed their legacy. We didn't go in the ministry because it's a family business, okay? We went in the ministry because God called each one of us individually to do it, but that's part of their legacy. They have five grandchildren who are in full-time ministry all over the U.S., okay? One off in uh, Georgia and then Michigan and then California. I think I did that in reverse for you guys, but it was right in my mind. I struggled with, what is it, geography? I was going to say geometry, that too. (laughs) (laughs) Five grandchildren in full-time ministry, and here's the best part. All of that, eh, it's cool. You know what really matters? All six of the kids, that's including the spouses, all 17 of the grandchildren, that's including the spouses, nine great-grandchildren, two on the way in 2021. They're all serving Jesus. They're connected to the church. They're following after the things of God. Come on, that's influence, somebody. You should be shouting for them because that is influence compounded, created legacy. That's why, that's why I'm living. That is why I'm living because I believe that I will have a legacy that I will leave. Legacy is influence over time. See, you don't need to strive to be an influencer. You are an influencer. You don't need to search to have greater influence. Your influence already matters right where you are with what you have. You just have to give what you've got. That's all God's asking you to do. It matters. It can change somebody's life. The way you live matters. And we we have this picture of, well, we got to be in this, like, this spotlight to be an influencer. Check this. According to the book, Help, I Work With People. It's a book that just recently came out here in 2020. There's a stat in there that really hit me. The average person, I'm not saying a famous person, I'm not saying a well-known, I'm saying like me, you, average people, the average person will influence an average of 70,000 people in their lifetime. And we go a lot of times, I don't, I just don't really have that much influence. And we say we don't have a big enough platform, we don't have a big enough following, and we take all this credit from God that he's placed us right where we are on purpose to have big influence and big impact for his glory. You know, I thought that thought alone, that just kind of puts the whole message together for me. Like when we talk about influence before influence, like that thought really wraps it all together for me. When I say influence before influence, I mean that you have to recognize and utilize the influence that you have. Listen, where you are, not where you want to be. And the struggle and the issue is we're constantly looking past where we are and where we want to be, whether it's in a good way, like, hey, one day I want to be here. That's great. But if that vision takes you away from where you are and you never achieve what God has for you here, that's a problem. Or others of us, we're so googly-eyed on social media, we're like, oh, if I could just be there, and we never live the life God's called us to live here. So you never get to live where you are. And you're constantly just wanting to live where you want to be. 
I think a great example of somebody who just rode the roller coaster on this emotional journey in the Bible is a man by the name of Joseph. Now, if you don't know who Joseph is, Joseph is the grandson of Abraham. You've like, there's that old kid song, Father Abraham had many sons. Okay, right? He's the son of Jacob. Jacob, God changed his name to Israel. That You've heard of maybe the 12 tribes of Israel. It all comes from this family right here. See, two things you need to know about Joseph. One, he's a dreamer. Anybody, like, you dream a lot at night, and you wake up in the morning, can you remember your dreams? How many of y'all hands up? That's my wife. Wow, a lot. I wake up, I have no idea what I dreamed about. Like, no idea. My wife said at times, I'm, like, sweating. I'm kicking. I'm, like, punching. So I feel like it's just, I'm dreaming about, like, the, the devil, or uh, I don't know what I'm dreaming about. Like, Zealand. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in my dreams, but I can't remember them. Joseph is a dreamer. Okay? God just allowed him to, I don't know, daydream, real dream, R, what's it, REM dream, whatever, I don't know. Like, just dreamed. He had this dream this one time about basically his family bowing down to him. The issue was he went and told them that it was going to happen. Told them about the dream. Brothers weren't liking that. Like, I'd be ticked. Like, if Pastor Luke came to me, hey, one day you're going to bow down to me. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, Spoiler alert, if you've never read the story, you're bad. Free Bible's in the back. You can go read it afterwards, even though I'm going to ruin it for you. At the end of this whole thing, it happens. They bow. He is the second in command of all of Egypt. I'm going to get there in a second. But he's a dreamer. Two, he's highly favored and loved by his dad. Like, Jacob loves him more than the rest of the brothers. And it kind of ticks the brothers off because, like, the dad's like, hey, here's, like, a really nice coat, or the Bible says robe in one translation of many colors, if you heard of that, maybe as a kid growing up. Or if you're hearing the story for the first time, I'm trying to break it down, so you're with me here. He gets this nice coat. I mean, Jacob's just, I mean, Joseph's just wearing around, like, hey, I'm proud. Like, I like my coat, and my dad loves me. But see, the brother's getting T.O.'d. And so they start plotting to kill him. They're like, we got to kill this dude. Like, this dude gets the coat. He gets the love, like... He's having these crazy dreams, like, we're done with this dude. So rather than killing them, killing them, he throws, they throw him in a pit, and then they sell him into slavery. And this is what they did to trick the dad. It says in Genesis 37, 31 to 32, then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this, examine it and see whether or not it is your son's robe. So they trick their father into believing that Joseph is dead when really he's riding off with the Midianite merchants right now and he's being sold into slavery. He ends up in Egypt at a dude's house by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar is the captain of the guard and he shows up in Potiphar's house. He's sold into slavery and here's the quick version. I'm just giving you all the quick like punchlines of this. Joseph, where he's at, is being an influencer. He's being who he was called to be. God had favor on his life. So he goes in that moment of being a slave to Potiphar's like, hey, man, this dude got something like special on him. I'm going to use him. He goes, you're in charge of my whole house. Like, run this thing. Run this house. So he does. He's running it. The issue is, see, wherever you have favor on your life, just realize, wherever there's success and you know it's God, the devil coming for you. Just understand that. New levels, new devils. That's the old phrase. Devil coming for you. So here's Joseph. He's thriving. But what happened was, although he reached the top, here he is, family, pit. Potiphar's house, he raising up. The issue was there was a false accusation. I'm going to circle back to this in a second, but there was a false accusation, a lie that came against him. So because of that, Joseph is thrown in prison. Joseph's sent in prison, 
imagine this, the journey of your life. You're going from like your family, your bros hate you. They selling you. You're going pit, slavery. Okay, you're doing good. Oh, back to the prison. It's like just a roller coaster of a life that you're going through here. And now he's sitting in the prison. He's sitting here, and the Bible says that he's sitting, and he meets these two dudes. They were the king. They were pharaohs, cupbearer, and baker. Now, you remember I said he's a dreamer, right? What was cool is he could interpret dreams as well. So he's sitting here, and the cupbearer and the baker, they're like, hey, we got some crazy dreams we've been having. Like, can you tell us about these? He interprets the dreams. One of them, they're going to die. The other one, the cupbearer, they're going to go back and be with the king. I would not want that job, a cupbearer. Their job was to take the king's drink and taste it before the king had it because many people would try to kill the king by poisoning it. So that's his job. So he's go, he going back to like a bad job anyway, so he let him just go back. Joseph just tells him, hey, man, when you go back, will you remember me? Tell the king that I'm here. Cupbearer forgets. Doesn't say a word. The Bible says two years has gone by where Joseph is just chilling there. He's been completely forgotten about. He's been betrayed by now his brothers, betrayed by the cupbearer. He's sitting there until the Bible says that two years later, after the cupbearer's dream had been fulfilled, Pharaoh has a dream. The king has these two like, dreams that need an interpretation. So he goes around to all the wise people and go, hey, tell us, tell, like, tell me, what's this dream? Nobody can interpret the dream. So then the cupbearer goes, oh, crap. This dude, Joseph, I forgot about him. Well, there's this guy, like, been sitting there for two years waiting for me to say something. Yeah, he interprets dreams. So Joseph is brought out of prison. He's brought to the king, and on the money, he interprets the dreams. He said, for the next seven years, you're going to have prosperity, and the next seven, you'll have famine. So you need to get ready, and we're going to store up as much as we can now because we need to get ready for the famine. The king is so impressed. He goes from right from the prison to the palace in an instant. The king is so impressed. He goes, listen, you're going to be second in command over all of Egypt. Like, you got the dream. You got the secret. You can make all this happen here. You lead. I'm tr He's trusting a guy that just came out of prison. Like, McDonald's has a hard time doing that with people that just come out of prison. So, yay! He's in the palace. He made it. We're there. What's the point? Why did I just take you on that long journey? Besides the fact that it's like, and that's Joseph's life. What's the point? Why does it matter? We're talking about being an influencer, right? Let's get back on track. Why You guys took me way off track. See, before Joseph was ever second in command, before he ever had authority, before he ever had influence over an entire nation, he recognized that he first had influence in the prison. Follow me. This is influence before influence. He didn't wait to get to the palace to use his influence. He recognized that he had influence in the prison, and he used it where he was. And the issue with us a lot of times is we're looking for promotion, that this is the point finally when I can be an influencer, and you forget that God's asked you to use it right where you are. Joseph is sitting in the prison. He recognizes this is my moment to be an influencer. Can I just tell you that when you understand that you're an influencer, and many of you, I'll say, let me just throw out a, a bad math number that probably is not even right, but I'll throw one out to make my point. I'm going to say 70% of you do not realize you're an influencer. Like, for real. I'll go 65. It's nicer. Actually, 95% of you don't know you're an influencer. Because see, if you did, you would take your influence seriously. See, Joseph 
he realized that he's just sitting in a prison, but he recognized still he was an influencer and he was going to take it seriously wherever he was. It wasn't, well, once I get to the palace, he didn't know how that was going to work out. He just had some kooky dream he was going off of. He goes, I'm sitting here, I'm shackled, I'm bloody, I'm dirty. This is my moment to influence right here. And see, if you don't take it seriously, that means you won't see the influence as a responsibility on your life to really take care of, to protect it. People are watching y'all at all times. People are watching you at all times. Hear me. No matter how small you feel like your influence is, you feel like, well, this isn't like a real big deal. I'm just like with, it's just my family. It's just right here. Oh, it's just my church. They know me. Or, oh, just this sports team or whatever it is. Listen. People are watching you, and no matter how small you think it is, you have a responsibility to take care of your influence. Let me, let me give you an example. I want to take you on a quick thought I had for my personal life I think could connect with you. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he shares in the New Testament. So I'm going, jumping from the Old Testament. I jump all the way to the New Testament now. He shares in 1 Corinthians 10, 23. He was a follower of Jesus, and he did great things. He was a huge influencer for the gospel. He said, I have the right to do anything, you say. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Now follow me. I'm going to use this verse to show you that just because there are some things you can do, just because you could do it doesn't mean you should do it. Okay? As a follower of Jesus, let's use alcohol for a second because this is one that really hit me as a dad. I will never, ever, ever drink alcohol. Besides the fact that I just don't want to because I'm so far removed from the world at this point, I'm so much closer to following Jesus, why would I ever even want to touch something like that? Because it, it just takes my walk and it sort of muddies it a little bit. But let me just be practical with you why I will never drink alcohol and why I think when parents do it, now listen, I mean, no disrespect because I know parents in the room represented by some of you, they drink alcohol. I know that. So I'm just going to go there because you need to learn it if they're not going to teach it to you. And again, I mean, no disrespect. This is the word of God. This is why I will never drink alcohol. <laughs> because I can, but it's not constructive. I can, but it's not beneficial. That's the scripture. Let me make it modern day for you. This summer, I had cut the bottom of my toe, and because I have neuropathy and I can't feel from here down, I don't heal as quickly. And my, my nerves, just the issues that me and Pastor Steve have, we, we can't heal. So I will walk on it sometimes for days and weeks without knowing I had this huge cut. And I found this just Cut is a bad word. Gouge. My toe is just like ripped open, mutilated, okay? So what I did finally is I, I, I bandaged it, I kind of gauzed it, and then I just took like athletic tape, and I just taped my, my toe up every day. And then I'd take it off at night to try to let it breathe a little bit, but I would just tape it up because I couldn't get the skin to grow together. And it took me like months to get this to heal. Well, my son would watch me every day get this tape out, and he'd see me roll up my toe, and he'd do it. So one day, I walk in there, and he's like, muh, muh. And he's trying to, he's with the tape. He's asking my wife to give him some tape. So he gets some tape. I look at him. Look at what he does. He puts it, you want to show the picture? He puts it on his big toe. I had to take a picture because I'm just like, this is classic right here. I never told him to put the tape on. I never told him why I had the tape. He just saw I had the tape, and he had to tape because he saw dad had the tape. Is it clicking for anybody yet, or do I need to preach harder into it? I'm just going to preach just to make sure it's clicking. I know if I ever drank, it would influence others to do the same thing. I know if I ever drank, 
They would see me do it, and they would think it's acceptable to do it because I've done it. And the problem is, what I can do in moderation, other people don't have that. They will do in excess. Now, I have no desire to drink whatsoever. There are just certain things for me personally, drinking, drugs, tattoos, smoking, things like that. I just have no desire. Piercing my body, I have no desire to do them. I've just removed myself from it to a certain degree. Now, like, hey, when I was growing up, man, I wanted to get a tattoo. I wanted to pierce my lip, be in a punk rock band, like, I, you know. But then as I just matured with Christ, there's just certain things I don't need anymore. Just because I can doesn't mean I need to. Just because it's possible for me to do doesn't mean it's beneficial for my life. So drinking for me, although you see many followers of Jesus today, and it's very confusing for you guys in this generation with social media where so many believers, like people at Hillsong write songs and they go get drunk afterwards. Now, listen, I don't mean anything against them, but that's just fact. That is fact. I've heard too many different accounts of it happening. And at first I was like, man, I'm so mad I don't want to sing their songs anymore. Are their songs still anointed? Yes. Is their behavior not lining up with the songs? Yes. But how many different times have you known what the Bible says and your behavior doesn't line up with it? Right? But there's certain things I just want to stay away from, and one of those I really felt I should train you is alcohol. The issue is many of you are seeing your parents do it, so you think it's giving you a right and a liberty to do it. It's not. You don't need it. It's not necessary. It doesn't make you more like Jesus. It doesn't make you better. It's not going to help you in any way. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. So for me, I look at that picture of my son with the tape on the toe, and I go, he didn't have to learn from me how to do that. He just watched me do it. Understand, I didn't teach him how to put it on his toe. I didn't tell him he should get some tape. All that he did is observe every day me putting tape on my toe, and he felt the need to have it himself. See, true influence doesn't come from your likes or your follows or your posts. True godly influence comes from integrity. True godly influence comes from this place of integrity. Now listen, there is power through being an influencer when everybody is watching you and you influence them with Jesus. There's power in that. But see, true influence doesn't begin when everyone's looking at you. It begins when no one can see you. Because what you prepare in private is what you will present in public. Do you think you can live one way in private and then step out and just have it all together? And the issue a lot of times is maybe you listen to music that's cussing a lot, so then what happens when you get with certain people? You cuss because it becomes this habitual process. Well, it sounds like I cuss right there. Habitual means habit, just so you know. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so it becomes this process where you live this life here, so when you get with these people, you, you can't turn it off. It's too hard for you. And some of you, you're just having like, like, what's it called? Like when your neck's getting jerked around, what's that called? Like whiplash. Some of you are living with like some spiritual whiplash and your life just going from like private to public to I'm doing this here and I got to, okay, the pastor's looking at me here and oh my, lift my hands and worship here and it's over here. And it's like you're, you're, you're worn out. You're worn out because your, your integrity is what's fueling your influence and you can't control it. So I said we would, so let's circle back. Let's go to Potiphar's house. Why was Joseph thrown into prison from Potiphar's house in the first place? Look at Genesis 39, verses 6 to 7. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of him. You hear me, ladies? Well-built 
handsome. You'll be taken notice too. So Potiphar's wife takes notice of Joseph, of Joseph and says, come to bed with me. Follow me here. Now, if you read the account, this is happening time and time again, over and over again. She's saying, come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. Any young man listening right now, that girl asks long enough, and you start getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. All that you got to do is ask one more time, and you're about to buckle, and you're about to do what she's asking you to do. Okay? This is the nature of how God has made men to be visual and to be drawn to things like that. He's given you it on purpose. Just wait. It's worth waiting. You will get to do all of it in your marriage. I waited for 26 years. I waited, and I waited, and the temptation would come, and I waited until finally I got to participate in the things God reserved for marriage because God had given me desire for my wife. God had given me desire to want those things. I just wasn't supposed to execute that desire yet. So over and over and over again, Potiphar's wife's going, come to bed with me, come to bed with me. Finally, in verses 11 and 12, one day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. It's about to go down. It's about to be bad. You can tell. Nobody's there. So she caught his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand. Look it. And he ran out of that house. My dad told me, man, so many times, my dad said, listen, Dave, when you know that temptation is gripping you, and you're about to be caught by sin, you know you are in a precarious situation. It's about to go down. He told me this growing up. I'll live it to this day. He said, run like Joseph ran. Run, Joseph, run. Get out of there. Like he's saying, get out. Leave what you got to leave. Lose what you got to lose. Just get out. Man, I remember 16, he told me that. 21, he told me that. I started figuring it out a little bit more after that. But interesting enough, 16 and 21 were relationships I wasn't supposed to be in. Relationships that they wanted to, they could have. I was about to let them take me for everything I had. Because when you continue to be enticed and seduced, come to bed with me, your will begins to weaken. And that's why we have to pray spirit to strengthen that flesh. Run. Isn't it like that? There's like that video. It's like, it's like run, do do do. Like that one. <laughs> See, guys, I'm super trendy. I know pop culture. Check it. I know what's going on. That one's from like 2000, I think. 20 years behind. Why is this moment where Joseph ran so important? Like, why is this? This is just a, this is a life marking moment. Why is this one so important? He was in the pit. You know what I mean? He experienced that with his brothers. He experienced the slavery. But why is this one different? Because if you're not exercising integrity behind the scenes, you will never execute godly influence in front of the scenes. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it slower because you should write this down. It's really important for you. Really important for me. God just like drilled this into me. If you're not exercising integrity behind the scenes, you will never execute godly influence in front of the scenes. If your life is not full of integrity when no one else can see it, why should your life be full of influence when everyone can see it? I know a lot of y'all, you're playing among us. Everybody walking around like everybody's sus all the time. 
I just tell you this? There is no such thing as being sus with God. He doesn't suspect anything. He knows everything. He knows the intention and the motive of your heart. He knows what you're thinking. He knows how you feel. He knows where you want to go, and he knows everything you're going through. You never sus with him. He gets right to the heart of the issue with you, and he knows exactly where you are and what's going on, and he knows whether or not you're living with integrity. He knows. Listen, you can trick me. You can trick your parents. You can trick your friends. You can trick your teachers, but you cannot trick God. God knows. God knows. Joseph lived a life of integrity when no one was watching. And so here's this moment. God's going to reward him, right? What's the reward? He's thrown in prison. He lives a life of integrity. He says no to this woman that is seducing him. And his reward, it appears to be and feels like, I imagine, is prison. You know, sometimes you might do what God asks you to do, guys, and the outcome might not be that great. It might feel like you lose influence. It might feel like you lost traction. You, might, you could lose a job because of it. You could lose a lot of things in life, but run. I'm telling you, run. Because see, we, know that we already know the end of the story. We know where Joseph's going to end up. But can I tell you, Joseph didn't know that his next stop was the palace. Understand this. Joseph is sitting in the prison thinking, God, I did what you would have me do. I lived a life of integrity, and this is what I get for it. I was using my influence how you told me to, and this is what I get for it. See, Joseph didn't know that the next stop was the palace. At the point that you're sitting in the prison, because at some point in your life, every single one of your lives, you'll be sitting in the prison. And you got two options. You're either going to say, I'm so mad, I'm done with God, I curse God, I'm going to give up. You're going to shut down, you're going to say, I still got some influence to give right where I am. What if Joseph hadn't continued to be the influencer God had called him to be when he was in the prison? Very simple answer. He would have never made it to the palace. See, before he was ever given influence over an entire nation where everyone could see it, he was already utilizing his influence where no one could see it, except a few prisoners in there. I just got a question for you. If you don't utilize the influence God has already given you, why would you expect to be able to handle him giving you more? And you look at all these people and you say, oh, they have so much influence. If I, if I only had that, you have exactly what God wants you to have. He just wants you to be a good steward of what he's already given you. We look to where we want to be and we never engage and influence with where we are. I, mean, I want to give you like an inside scoop here. The reason that this generation spends so much time and how quickly you could tell me all these influencers, looking to all these influencers, is because you think if I could just be there, if I could have that, that looks so glamorous, then my life could be better. I could have influence. I'd be, I, I'd be able to influence the masses. <laughs> Can I just let you in on a little secret? It's not a secret at all. Go Google it, but I'm going to tell you it's a secret. Social media influencers, they don't have as much influence as you think they do. Let me give you the stats here. Previously, the rule of thumb with social media was that a successful post on social media, of the followers you have, let's just say 100 to make it simple math, of the 100 followers that you have, a successful post is that 10% of those followers would engage with your post. So if you have 100 followers, that means 10 people are going to like or comment on your post. Do it, let's say 100,000, only 10,000 people. You're grabbing 10% of all the people that follow you. That's who you're actually influencing. I said previously. Now, with the prominence of ads, 
Pastor Todd talked about pop the bubble and the bubble wrapping algorithms that keep us all bound on social media. It's just making you look at what they want you to look at. Because of all that, the reach is even lower. Twitter and Facebook, you are going to see an engagement of 0.5 to 1%. If you have 100 followers, one person is going to engage. Instagram, it gets so much better. 3 to 6% of people are going to engage. Now, some of you are like, oh, man, mine's, mine's way higher than that. Why? Because the people following you are close to you. So they're going to engage with you because you are actually living life together, not on a social media platform. These so-called influencers that we put in such high esteem, they have so much influence. They're getting 3 to 6% on Instagram of people to actually engage with what they're doing. That's weak influence. That is weak. That's worth nothing. Why are we putting them on such a platform? That's weak. Like that engagement rate is ridiculous. Here's Jesus' percentage. 12 people he asked me as disciples, one betrayed him, 11 out of 12. That's a lot higher percentage than any social media influencer that's on there today. I'll tell you. Rarely are you going to get 100%. Rarely will you get 12 out of 12, but Jesus got 11. That's pretty good. I'll take that. Do you know where the greatest, your greatest influence exists? Where does your greatest influence exist? Hey, Kev, come join me. Your greatest influence exists. Uh, now, this is six foot long. Uh, social distancing protocol. Your greatest influence is right here close. Now listen, God wants you to use social media for his glory. God wants you to impact people, but your greatest influence is right here. Let me make the point a little more clear. If the CDC or health or anybody sees this, they're bad. Your, your greatest influence is within six feet. Now, I'm not saying this is like a don't take COVID seriously and all this kind of stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to let you know that your greatest influence is not distant. It's not far. It's not on a plat social media platform. It's right here within six feet the greatest influence that you can put, the greatest investment you can put, the greatest interest that you're going to gain is right here in someone's life. When you come close to them, when you show them what Jesus looks like, when you live it out to them face to face, and when they can look at you with your integrity, and they see that you're different, and they say there's something different about you, and then your influence starts rubbing off on them. You know, some of you might think, uh, I'm not someone who's going to have big influence like Joseph. You know, like, that's a great story, but that, that's just not going to be me. Two things I'll tell you. One, God wasn't looking for Joseph to have big influence. He just needed him to have integrity in small moments. He just needed to know that when he's in the prison, he's going to have integrity. When he's with Potiphar's wife, he's going to have integrity. And as long as he has big integrity in small moments, I can still use that for huge impact and influence. That's number one. 
Number two, last time I checked, we serve a God that has enough influence for everybody on this planet. He has a lot of pull. When I say that, I mean literally he pulls the earth and it spins on its axis. He puts the stars in space and he holds them all up. We got a God that has a lot of influence. So if you don't think you do, you just have integrity and you let him give you the influence. It'll be plenty enough for you. I promise you, if you feel like you are lacking in anything, ask and it'll be given to you. You know, it's our job to live with integrity. It's God's job to bring the influence. Y'all following me? Now, I've been thinking about my influence. I hope you've been thinking about yours. If you haven't, this is your kind of checkup point when you leave here tonight to be thinking about it. I've been thinking about my influence during this series, and the Lord has continually been bringing me back to the same thing. It's very convicting for me. You guys know I'm a leader, I'm out front. It's just, I've been this way since I was a boy singing Elvis songs at four years old, my mom told me. I always was in front of people and I was shaking my leg and my lip and putting on a show and hey, making money. I'd make like 70 bucks at a family reunion. It was good stuff. I've just always been that kind of person. So I think early on, I would look at things on social media and just think, man, why can't our music do as good as theirs? Like, this is good music. Like, God, you gave me this sermon. I know you want to reach more people with it. Why ain't this blowing up on YouTube? Like, I look at some of the ways that other people would have this influence, and I constantly was just looking further than I was supposed to. And God made me realize this, that I was reaching with influence further than I needed to. And I felt like you just told me, pull back a little bit. And this is what he taught me. You actually influence further if you'll influence closer. If you'll actually influence what's right in front of you, your reach will be farther. That's where he taught me the interest of influence. If I can influence you all, who then could you influence? And I always say this like, I, I ain't joking when I say it, but it sounds like a joke. I'm just thinking, dude, my rewards in heaven are gonna be stacked because I'm gonna get my rewards and then the interest off your rewards. Because Josh, man, when I prayed for you over there seven years ago, everybody he wins for the Lord, I get in some of that too because I will help win Josh, he's gonna help win them. You see how it works for you? You win somebody for the Lord. You bring somebody in the kingdom of God. If they do it, you get some of that. That's the interest, baby. We, we collecting. And so I think a lot of times I just thought I, like I had to have this far reach and I had to reach all these people way out. And God was teaching me that you will actually influence further if you will influence closer. Case in point, Jesus took 12. He influenced them close. They changed the world. But ultimately, this is what the Lord was teaching me, and you need to ask the Lord what he's teaching you. Do you know what my greatest, I'd say where my greatest influence exists? Can you all come out? The Lord reminded me of this because many times I, I think I get ahead of myself and I try to go further. Hey, my buddy, he had to bring his stuffed animals. Come here. The Lord, the Lord showed me that my greatest influence is right here. And I got one more boy right in here on the way. And he showed me that I don't have to have a huge social media following. You guys are a part of my influence and a part of the legacy, but ultimately, you're not the most important part. This is the most important part. And what's interesting is when you're called to the ministry, many times we as a family, we will sacrifice our family 
to make sure we can reach the needs of the church. But my question would be, if my family fell apart, what would happen to the church? Your influence, close, like right close, it matters. It matters. Like seeing your parents come to Jesus matters. One day raising kids to follow God matters. You have this beautiful opportunity in the next month and a half. And I, I specifically targeted here because sometimes we're like, influence for your whole life, people for Jesus. And it's like, ah, it's, it's like scares you. In the next month and a half, you got Thanksgiving next week. You got Christmas coming up. You're gonna have all these family gatherings, all these moments where you can invest. And you don't have to pound them over the head with Jesus or pound them over the head with this teaching, but you can just be there and show them the love of Jesus. Maybe you pray for a meal, whatever it is. Like her family will let me pray. And man, I will pray. I'll say in the name of Jesus. And I pray. Because if they're gonna give me the opportunity, I'm gonna make sure they know who I serve and who my life belongs to. But you have these incredible moments all the time all around you and we're looking so far that we miss the closest and most important thing that's right here. Some of you are like, well, my family's really broken. Good. Be an influencer in that home and let Jesus put it back together. That will be your greatest testimony. When God brings your parents back together and God brings a, a wayward uh, brother or sister back, I'm telling you, it's going to be your testimony. And that is going to be part of your legacy. I love you, buddy. This is who I'm leaving my legacy with. You are a part of who I'm leaving my legacy with. Who are you going to leave a legacy with? Who are you influencing? Who are you called to influence? Who are you not investing in that you're supposed to? We just do this. We just bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to close here. But I just want to pray over you as we close. And if you're here tonight and you're like, man, I don't even know if I can take that first step of being an influencer because I haven't truly allowed Jesus to influence me. This is the first and most important step. The only way to live a life of integrity, the only way to live a life where you live in the influence before the influence is when you let Jesus come and take over your whole life. You give it all to him. You be born again, like you said in John 3, 3. You begin to build the kingdom of God and begin to invest. So if that's you tonight, if you've never dedicated your life to Jesus, I just want to give everyone an opportunity. To all of our family that's online with us, I want to give everyone an opportunity. So even in the chat, tell somebody, all of our moderators standing by, they want to encourage you. They're going to give you next steps. But in the room as well, if you've never put your trust in Jesus, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. I've never done that. I want to do that tonight. I want to commit my life to Jesus and I want to be right with him tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Right now in the chat online, tell somebody, come on, if you want to put your trust in Jesus, anybody else. Thank you, guys. I want to pray a prayer of salvation. And then as we close that prayer, I'm just going to pray over you strong as we close and pray that your influence, it's already there, but that you will recognize it and you will utilize it for the glory of God. But would you pray this with me if you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior of your life? We'll say it all across this place together and right there online. Say it with us there. Say, Jesus, I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. I give you all of me. And I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for you to meet me 
right where I am because I know that you've planted me right where I am. So use me, God. I give you my influence. Fill me with integrity. Help me to walk it out so that what I do in private will reflect in my public. And when people see me, they'd be able to see Jesus. Help me, come on, somebody say, help me to be an influencer, to build the kingdom of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody says amen. Would you give him a shout of praise, amen?